Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at Anchor.fm is very efficient, and you can do a lot of great things with it. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Good evening, everyone. This is Jersey Joe and your host. Jersey Jim, what's going on, everybody? Uh, so, how's your Sunday going? Pretty interesting, if you ask me. Um, you know what? Over two hours ago, I would say, I was calling you from somewhere in Monmouth County, New Jersey. Shocked as can be because of some job change opening just occurred. Yeah, so for those that live under a rock or outer space or have no idea what we're talking about, it is because the Devils fired General Manager Ray Shiro, put the interim tag on Tom Fitzgerald, and promoted Martin Brodeur to hockey operations. Not the president, but he will be involved in hockey operations as either, as I am told, either one. Tom Fitzgerald is the next general manager, or two, Martin Brodeur is the next general manager of the team. And by the way, folks, uh, if you'd recall Jim and I, you know, leading things up to the Taylor Hall trade, well, we have an anonymous source who told us that, well, technically told Jim, but he's our guy. Yeah, he's our guy. And... I mean, there's so many things to break down. This is going to be a longer podcast than usual because we know the game is going on, but I'm recording that as we speak. Um, so let's start back when Lou Lamorello uh, basically hired Ray Shiro in the off season of 2015. So there, a lot of things were in tatters at point. And Jim, you can sound in anytime you want. Yeah, go for it. You know, you're doing, uh, you can, so obviously back May of uh, of 2015, the Devils and Lula Morello decided that it would be best for him to be the president of hockey operations. They bring in a new general manager. It's Ray Shiro. He was let go by Pittsburgh in 
in 2014. Everybody knows his history. They've won back-to-back Eastern Conference championships, won a Stanley Cup in 2009. But then, you know, he was loyal to Dan Bilesma for so long, and then they, and, you know, because he didn't make the move quick enough, he got fired, and the Devils brought him in. And then his predecessor uh, eventually fired Dan Bilesma. Dan Bilesma went off to uh, Buffalo, and he's no longer in Buffalo, and Bilesma is the assistant coach with the Detroit Red Wings. So back to 2015, to our listeners, um, that was the year that um, when Lou Lamorello had his director of amateur scouting, uh, David Conti, who was also responsible for getting Zach Parise, no problem with Parise, but uh, at the time, you know, David Conti made his final pick in uh, – and Pavel Zaka, and Pavel Zaka is a guy who basically was an adoptee draft pick of uh, Ray Shiro's, and he st- he stood loyal with him because he was a Lou guy. Um, then the next draft, you know, you get uh, Michael McLeod, and you get Nathan Bastian. Uh, nothing against Michael McLeod, but you could have gotten Logan Stanley. Um, I mean, anyone, nothing, nothing against Beer Barons, Boyd, and Mikey McLeod, but you could could have done a little bit better there from a draft perspective. Um, 2017, we all know what happened. Uh, Devils get their boy in Nico Heischer. I I approved of that pick, and I still do at this very day. Um, I think everybody approves of that pick. I mean, there was really no. I mean. The only other choice, as as I've been told, was either it was it came down to Heisher or Makar. I mean, neither one would have been a bad pick. I mean, obviously, you know what Makar is doing in Colorado, but Nico Heisher, I am very impressed. So look, so look at the trajectory. Look, real quick before we just a real quick tangent before we go into um into uh, the rest of this. So say Makar doesn't go to college, right? And does it come up last year? He would have been on the same trajectory as um, Haskinen or uh, Nico at that point. Right, exactly. So now it's two and a half years in. So instead of being, you know, he did his time in college, Makar, um, and then he got called up in the playoffs and failed right in. Nico went through the trials and tribulations of being a number one draft pick. But he was playing alongside Kyle Palmieri and uh, Taylor Hall at the time. And so the, the timetable was basically off. So anyone who's looking with player and asset management, age does play a factor in the right. timeline of a team building a core for playoffs. Um, so-, so basically, you think about it. So the Devils pick in the beginning of se- – so in the summer of 17, they have – he's sure they draft the number one overall. Okay, well, perfect pick, perfect pick because Nolan Patrick wasn't going to be the guy, um, and and you know he's too injury prone. So Nico, he was really wasn't going to go back to Switzerland. He's done all he could do there. He did his job in the World Juniors. By the so, way, he was on loan from his Swiss team on the way to uh, Halifax that season. That's why. Right. That's why he was able to not get sent back to the CHL. Most right. so, most people don't remember that. 
So there wasn't really much more him to accomplish there. But he had a decent rookie year. I mean, he played really well. Um, last year, you know, he had some injuries. But, you know, this year, he could, and the Devils just tied to Green. Effin' Andy Green. Oh, my God. What just happened? Devils tied the game. Sorry, spoiler alert. They were down one nothing. They just tied it. Beautiful. Andy effing Andy Green. Um, but anyway, so so now it's two and a half years later. Taylor Hall's gone, and you can see he's more confident with the puck. You can see he's driving the net hard. He's put on his man weight, and he's doing the things that he's supposed to be doing. He's really performing, and you know, I will tell the tell the listeners who didn't listen into the last one i was uh at the devils versus islanders game although the devils lost uh nico he sure showed that he was proven every bit of grain of salt he was worth in his draft year and he's developed into the young dynamic center that we all know and love to this day and i think he will be even more as he gets older and other players put around him like jesper bokefist yeah, so and, – and look, everything went right that year. Brat was playing well. Like, everything just went right for the, that in that year. They made the playoffs and everything else, and everybody knows how I feel about what Hines is in the playoffs before the playoffs, so we're not going to get into that. All right, so that was the one year they made the playoffs in all of the time ratio was there. Obviously, they took a step backwards last year. Um And, you know, they ha- they've only had one playoff appearance. It's unfortunate. Only um, one win out of those five. Yeah, but, again, that goes back to what I said about Hines. They should have never rested those guys the last game of the season. There was plenty of time off. I know I said I wasn't going to get into it, but there was plenty of time off before the first game against Tampa Bay. The Devils only found their skating legs in game three, and it was just a runaway. It's not like they were going to beat Tampa, but it could have made it a little bit closer. Right. Actually playing. It could have been a little bit better and managed. Um, right. So back to so, the, back to the 2018 uh, draft year. Um, I absolutely approve of the pick in Ty Smith, and uh, that was a great pick. I mean, he, it was a good pick. I mean, it was it was a solid pick. Good defenseman. He's going to be up next year. Um, I thought he was going to go to the Flyers at that point. Yeah. So did I. I think a lot of people did. Um, and so. You know, so there's Ty Smith, and then obviously Jack Hughes, 2019. It, nobody, you can't really go wrong with with that pick. No, I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, you could have said Ah, oh, Bowen Byram, all this stuff, but then he might not be playing. So Jack Hughes is a great, you know, that's a great pick. You see, um, most people look at the short term, but people forget it's like long term investing. The longer you wait, the better it is overall well, for everyone. Well, look at it. Like I said, that look at put the same trajectory on Hughes as with Nico. In two and a half years from now, he could be the same player as Nico. And then you got two good guys. You got two good centers, one two centers that are solid. I mean, overall, his tenure, I would give him. I, you know, if we were going to grade this A to F, I'd probably give him a B. Pro- probably a. Well, uh, B B minus. I, I mean, I would, I would probably go B minus at this point. I mean, you look at it overall; it's a B minus. Um, 2016 and two, 2016 was like a D minus for me. 
Yeah, but the problem wasn't that the year of the Taylor Hall trade though. Yeah, it was the year of the Taylor Hall trade. So there, you had you had traded Adam Larson in that move. I mean, you basically went one for one with with that. And I know everybody's criticizing him this year for what he didn't get or got with um with Taylor Hall. You could then, you could have but, signed him to a little bit long term extension, then traded him. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, I think the big mistake he had this year, and I, I will keep saying this, and I wrote it in the Nazarene piece and the and and in the in the trade piece as well. After that, I think the big mistake that he made was not giving him a contract, at least a one to two year contract going forward, because then you would have had more leverage to trade him. You would have had, you would have gotten more in return. Everybody knows he was a UFA this year. If he if he had one year left on his deal, you might have been able to get more. Not to say that I think I'm really impressed with what Merkley's doing down in the in the uh, in A. He's playing actually really well. And then Kevin Ball had a great World Junior tournament. You know what? People hit on that trade very negatively, and I know on the Pucks and Pitchforks uh, group that they most of them either don't have a clue, most of them. Some of them don't like it. Even my editor-in-chief still doesn't like it. And you know what? That I like. I still like Kevin Ball in that move. I mean, you couldn't get much anywhere else. I mean, if you got the extension for Hall and you traded him, you probably would have gotten maybe Bowen Byram in that move. But Kevin Ball, he's an excellent piece for, you know, a player that only has less than a year left on his contract. So if if we look at the press release today, they wanted to go in a different direction, right? That the they felt that that he didn't get it done, right? I if approve that, of, of what they they said. Okay, so if you feel that if he wasn't getting the job done and the wins weren't coming and you wanted to move in a different direction, why let him make the trade when he did? If you felt that John Hines wasn't your coach, and they were tied together, both of them should have been gone when they made the coaching change. The, that's where I disagree. They should have done it the same day, two-in-one wholesale move. If, well, that's if, what I'm saying. I, that's what I, I, I think we're, we're, we're agreeing. I, I, I'm just phrasing it as a question, I think. Maybe if Abby Mastrocco does come on, maybe she'll clear things up a little bit better than what – we yes. we are getting so, you know bits and pieces here and here on out because you know this yes. is, this is still forming. Uh, right. I mean it's it's starting to foam like you know cappuccino milk. Right. So both both of us agree that he should have been fired the day of the coaching change when the Devils let go John Hines. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So because now you obviously the the old saying goes is. You're only allowed one coach to be hired. If you're hiring a second coach, that means you're going out the door too. So they weren't going to let that happen. Um, but the problem is ownership brought this guy in and they under, they, they, they should have understood how ratio makes things happen because in Pittsburgh, that's what he did. He built through the draft. He acquired draft picks. Obviously, it helped that he had Sid and, and Gino, but – you know, it, it was a different game. It's a different. It's a different. It was a different team. 
The, the Devils, you know, they, they overachieved in, in, in uh, 17, 18 a little bit. But the problem is, this year with the addition of Subban, with the addition of Simmons, you get Gusev, you would have been better. You should have been better. Could could have been better, but I believe honestly, with the code, the coaching situation early, you know, guys like Subban could not play their game, and we're starting to see under Elaine Nazardine, the interim head coach. Excuse me. Um, yeah, you know, Elaine Nazardine has really uh, done so much in such a little amount of time to being a so much better version of what John Hines would have been, you know, going on if he was still a coach. Um, I honestly give uh, Elaine Nazardine the biggest of props in this season where things have really gone down, you know, the laundry chute to uh, put a little softly uh, and cleanly because I know younger people are listening in. Yeah. And the dog barked and she approved that, uh, that things have gone pretty south this year. But I honestly think, you know, the future is a lot brighter where I know Tyler Kelly wants that Gronberg head coach from the Zurich Lions. Um, I actually hoping if you do get Tyler Kelly on, if he does come on tonight or tomorrow, um, I would like him to uh, specify his reasoning and also – I want to think about – let's think about the other guys in, in the room being Fitzgerald and Brodor. So Yeah, so – all right, so Tommy Fitz, he's going to be the interim – he's going to be the interim uh, general manager. Martin Brodor is coming in to be an advisor to, to and be a part of hockey operations. We know Marty's history. He was assistant GM. He was an advisor in St. Louis. He put together – it was a part of the management team that put together Team Canada. Um, we know he wanted to get into management when Lou Lamorello was here. It wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. Lou basically, according to the people I've talked to, didn't think that Marty could get it done and, get, and tell the guys that he had just played with that they weren't good enough anymore. And he left on bad terms as a player. Right. He left in his – in his contract year. Right. And for me, I, I, I absolutely cried the, I, well, before that I was very lost in the transition of him being a free agent. And then I cried when he signed with the blues and I know he played a few games with the blues, but it just didn't feel right. And having him gone for more than a year, you know, being with the blues, I understand, you know, he helped them win a cup. But it was still very painful, you know, from a fan point of view. This is before, you know, I got writing, I mean, contributing articles for Pucks and Pitchforks. So, for me, as a YouTuber at that time, you know, it was devastating. Yeah, so, I mean, look, I was there Marty's last game um, as a devil against the Bruins that they beat him. I thought that was his swan song. He should have gone out that way. It was a perfect way to go out. There was no buts. There was a win. He had the standing ovation. He got all the stuff. You know, all this, all these, it was a great time. 
Then little by little, you know, once Lou's out of there, they get, you know, Lou's still there. They retire his number. Then they get the statue. Then they bring him back. But what did I tell you What about Stevens? If Stevens was going to come back, there had to be fences that needed to be mended. And with Shiro there, the Devils can bring him back and be a part of this coaching staff that he that they desperately need. He would absolutely bring a good, you know, player mindset, and he would bring a lot of intel. I know some guys uh, on Pucks and Pitchforks that disagree, and they, they will relate it to, like, the Mets thing, but this is totally different. I mean, hockey is a different game where we know Wayne Gretzky, you know, the great the greatest goal scorer of all time, points guy, you know, we saw what he did for uh, the Phoenix Coyotes in that short amount of time. He didn't do that well, but doesn't mean, you know, a guy like Martin Bordor can't do pretty good. We saw what Patrick Waugh did for a little while in Colorado. The thing is, you know, Patrick Waugh was a good coach. He was a good junior coach, too. Um, Halifax Mooseheads uh, are a big rival of his down there. Yeah. So, you know, he did well. I mean, Wayne, it was a tough situation because he was part of ownership as well as coaching. And then he finally, you know, and then that left a bitter taste in his mouth, you know, being around the NHL. Because if you remember, after he left the Phoenix thing, after he wasn't an owner anymore, there was some, you know, lawsuit stuff that he had to get paid still because the NHL took over. And then he wasn't in the game for a while. And then he came slowly started making his way back in. Um, now he's with the Oilers and, you know, he's, 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 he's done good things management wise. I, I don't know if he's a great coach, probably not, but he's definitely good as part of the, you know, as part of the management team. If you want to put him as like a general manager or part of, be a part of a management team, because he did construct the 2002 Canadian team that won gold at the Olympics. So if I recall, that was Salt Lake. Yeah. Yeah, U.S. fell short of that one. But my point being is that, you know, Martin Bordor knows this organization in and out. He he could obviously walk the halls blindfolded, and he knows every, every single person. I'm sure he knows every single person, and he's probably going to hire if – now, if Martin Bordor is the general manager of the New Jersey Devils, I think he would have ties to people within the Blues organization, the current New Jersey Devils, because he's known people like Castron the, the past season and a half. He basically also has a strong, like you said, he has a strong tie with Hockey Canada, and he would probably have a strong division, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and you know other places abroad, and maybe Switzerland, especially with Nico being a French speaker. So we have these special ties where Martin Bredor could do his wonders. And especially being a goalie, he might always draft a goalie in every single draft like Shiro has. Yeah, I mean, look, that would be – I mean, the Devils have a plethora of goalies in their system. They got to decide who is uh, – who they, who they really want to 
who they really want to keep and who's going to be the future. Obviously, we know Blackwood's probably going to be the future of this team. He is the future of a team. What am I talking about? But, I mean, well, he's staying. Right. So they got to determine, all right, who can back him up and who's good in the A and all this stuff. I like what Deming is doing currently, but I think Sen takes over that spot next year. Um, depending if there are any big trades, barring any uh, further player movement. So we have these ifs and ands or buts that could happen. So we will be covering those things along the ways. We'll be here for your, uh, your player management needs, especially, you know, this core, you know, being built around. Yeah. I mean, look, they have, they have some pieces here. I mean, it's going to be interesting what they do. It's going to be interesting to see what, how Tommy Fitzgerald wants to construct this team going forward, what players he wants to trade, who he wants to trade for, if they, like what they're going to do, uh, how they spend in the offseason, who they go after. Um, the Devils lead in 2 1. Wow, it's Ajax. All right. Wow. Gusev. All right. Again, another point for Gusev. All right. The goose is loose. You know what I started doing on Twitter last night was when Gusev scored. I, you know how the Islanders fans have that yes chant? Well, I yeah. have the equivalent of that in, in Russian. Da, da, da. Ah. D A, D A. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean. If you keep guys like Gusev around with Fitzgerald and you have, you know, if the whole thing about Sammy Vatanen is true, you know, having him get an extension, I am absolutely for it. I mean, you were talking about doing major surgery or how much surgery you really want to do. Yeah, exactly. How much surgery do you really want to do? There's enough surgery done. I mean, you just need one little minor tweak. They're playing well, and that's the thing that people don't understand is this is what shocks me is that they've turned a corner. Yeah, they still have problems defensively. Yeah, they still can't get out of their zone. Sure, they could have covered Tony D'Angelo in the freaking garden, the garden of nightmares. Right. But they're playing with more heart and more energy and a little little bit more structure and they're, you know, they're playing well against these good teams. And, you know, Deming is looking solid again tonight against his former club. Don't tell me he don't want to win tonight. He definitely oh, he wants to win. win. He wants Josh He wants to win because they're like – and he's playing against his backup tonight. He's playing against the guy they brought in to replace him. And tell everyone who that is. Curtis McElhaney. So – Oh, the former so, Maple Leaf. Right. So and that, the former Hurricane – Oh, Wayne Simmons not happy. He told somebody to f off. Uh oh. Ooh, that as that sounds beautiful. I well, everyone should know. I'm downstairs. I'm I'm listening to you describe the game. But honestly, there's so much going on in this year's NHL draft. You know, we're in pretty good shape with two first rounders in 2020. If Arizona keeps, you know, you know, plummeting at the rate they are at, you know, the Devils could be in really, really good shape within 4 through 15 minus 15 through 31, you know, picking that. So if it goes within the realm of, you know, in the top 15, 
you know, in the draft, you know, what if you get two uh, possible picks that are affected by the lottery but can't go any higher than four? Yeah, I mean so you improve your 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 picks. Yeah, exactly. Um look. I mean they they have some things they got to work on. I mean, look, if if the I think a major piece going forward, I think they got to decide what they want to do with Sammy Vontanen. Um you know, I've been talking with some people tonight. It it appears that, you know, they might be in the they're looking in the direction of uh keeping him around for a little bit longer uh more than we uh than we thought but um which is fine I don't have a problem with that because you need a backbone to your defense you need a guy like he's so solid back there i mean he really is i like what he brings to the table we could keep him around for another four or five years i don't have a problem with that Who's that you want to keep around for another four? If or they five? decide to go in that direction, Vatnin, I wouldn't have a, pro- I wouldn't have a problem with you, that. I I honestly think he's worth about at least five point eight million dollars. I if I'm his agent, I give him a I give him a, I would ask for a nice little raise because you know he he's obviously proven himself since he got moved out of uh, Anaheim and Anaheim. You know, sure Ray Shiro. Uh, got Kyle Palmieri on the cheap from Anaheim, and he's done really good. That was one of the best moves. I, I, you know, and and um, everybody forgets, you know, that move, and then everybody forgets about the Marcus Johansson move out of uh, Washington. It's just it's such a shame that um, injuries. injuries didn't allow Johansson to be the guy that he was in Boston at the end of last season, and what he's doing in Buffalo because. Man, he – I mean, for what the Devils did, they traded – it wasn't even their pick. It was the pick they got from Florida. They they were able to leverage right. that. And so, basically, that's like a free pick to use however you want it. It wasn't like it was restricted like um, – what was it? The Mateau yeah, one? Think, well, the Mateau one was different because, you know – it was cold. Well, yeah, it was all basically all the league's like, well, you know, you cert- you did your punishment. Well, you can have your draft pick back because there's something in the CBA that you know we didn't realize that was okay. Personally, I should have we should have just not picked in the first round that year. I would have been okay with that. Actually, you know, uh, I would have picked Brendan Lemieux. Me too. Instead. I would have rather picked, but the problem is the pressure. I mean, I think you know they had Marty's kid in, in the system and to have Claude's kid at, not to live up to his standards in, for what he did for the organization, even though he was only here for a short period of time. He was here a couple of times, but But he helped do the yeah. right things and get it done. So, I mean, I think the pressure might have been, the comparisons might have been too much. Um, but but uh. I think it's time to hit on what Josh Harris said, the Devils' uh, managing partner and head owner. In the Corey Massack piece, he wrote, it's never a good time to do this, but once you make the decision, you have to act on it. We thought this year was the right thing to do for the franchise. We're just not getting it done. 
we haven't been winning. Well, they've been winning recently. There was nothing really specific. You guys know the record. Everything that has been done, there were a lot of positives, but it was time to go in a different direction. End quote. All right, so I was looking um, on – Abby had something that come out on NorthJersey.com with Ray Shiro's record since he's been with the Devils. <laughs> and if I can find it, my tablet allows me – Actually, actually, uh, his record from the time he became GM was 157, 167, and 48. All right, so he doesn't have a winning record. Um, they have one playoff appearance, but what were, what was the, what were these owners expecting a Stanley cup? I mean, the, the expectations were a little bit too high. If you ask me, I agree with that. I, if, if, if they wanted to think about playoffs, at least get to the first round. Right. So you're telling me, so he ends the devil's playoff drop because they hadn't had a playoff appearance since they went to the Stanley Cup in 2012. But 2017 and 2018 wasn't that long ago. That wasn't that long ago. I understand they took a step back last year. I understand things aren't going well this year. Do you re- do they not see what happened in Colorado? Colorado, they, they actually stuck with um, Joe, Sack- Joe Sackick. And they kept... Joe Sackick and Sackick stuck to his guns and obviously they had in stocking up on the draft. Obviously they had McKinnon, they had Landis Gog. They, they traded for Grubauer. They traded for Grubauer. They traded Duchesne away for Gerard. You know they had they drafted Branton in, but they did they finished they finished with forty eight points and now are one of the they're back to where they need to be. Um, so it's crazy. It really is crazy to think that the, the, the expectations of these owners are really, really high. Now, do they think I understand where they're coming from because on the, the 76ers and they're starting to win, right? Have playoff appearances, but you can't, you can't ex- expect them to the devils to do that it's a different game and they always say trust the process trust the process but the process has only gone half full and 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 only half empty right exactly so we they've accomplished something but they've got half of nothing but um i do want to hit on some quotes from tommy fitzgerald through the athletic and this is from Corey Mazasak once again. There's going to be two paragraphs I'm going to read. Okay. This has been a whirlwind couple of hours for myself, as sure it has been for everyone here. I never thought I would become a general manager like this. I've worked hard. I've had a great mentor. Let's hit on that first one. All right, so let's go back to the to the first part of it. It's been whirlwind, you know. He's still processing. Couple of hours ago, like he's he's you know he's still processing everything because you know everybody was hit with this at what five thirty six o'clock tonight. 
it was like 5.45 my time when I saw it through devilcentral.nj on Instagram. And that account actually does some pretty good reporting because they usually have some sources. So, but that's also when Cangelosi put it out on Twitter too. So everybody, yep. everybody was out at pretty much the same time. And I will tell you this, speaking with several people, no one saw this coming. Nobody. I didn't even think it was going to occur this early. Nobody saw it coming. Even the big guys, they didn't think it was coming. Not even Jersey Joe or Jersey Jim. So, I I mean, nobody told me that this was, you know, out of the blue and all this stuff. But it's crazy. So Even Tom Galitti reported. Right. He, I mean, Galitti's still connected to New Jersey, even though he does national things now. So, so he's processing it. It's been a whirlwind couple of hours. He, you know, all that stuff. And what was the last piece of it? That first paragraph? And, and the end of that paragraph goes, to begin quote, I never thought I would become a general manager like this. So he wasn't expecting that situation. I've worked hard, meaning his tenure under the team and under Ray Shiro. I've had a great mentor. He's talking about past tense in a mentor yeah. of Ray Shiro. And I believe in that mentor role. I see Tommy Fitzgerald very likely 55, 65% versus Martin Bordor going for that uh, GM job. See, it, I was so, so, you know, and then, I mean, we could jump ahead a little bit because the obviously part of the press release of today was that the Devils, um, they're going to be in the next few months, will be searching for a new general manager. So we have February, March, April. Yeah, you want to get it before May and June because you have the lottery, draft lottery special, and then you have to have your guys ready for the NHL draft combine so, in Buffalo. So basically, they're set, so it said in the coming weeks and months, the Devils will launch a formal search for their next general manager. I was told by our guy, the Devils have to say that because it's either it's going to be Fitzgerald or it's going to be Brodor. It's one of the two. I like both of the two. I, uh, at this point, at this point, you can't really go wrong with one of the two. No, I mean, you can't. You can't go either. Either way, you can't go wrong with either player, uh, either guy. I don't really have a problem with either guy. Um, they just have to be careful of how they and smart about and things. Smart about things. If they think Brodor is their guy, then make Tommy Fitzgerald the president of hockey operations to keep him around. If right. they want him to wait, then you make Brodor an assistant GM and have him keep collaborating with Fitzgerald for a couple of years. For the first three, you want to see how it's going. Right. And you obviously want to make sure Marty stays happy. And you know what? It's good to have this constructive criticism with the two guys uh, going together, you know, in, in an assistant GM uh, duel, yeah. as we could put it. I, I think it's a, I think it's a good idea. I have no problem with it. It's I've never had a problem with it. 
I I like the fact it's almost like where you have Nico Palms and uh, Zajac all sharing the 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 assist the assisting captain role yeah. and rotating. I like that because it makes you stick stick out in front of the team and say, "Hey, we're gonna fix this. We're gonna work on that. Don't do this." we got to do better in handling the pressure of this and that. But when it comes to an executive position, whether it's any business or this and being hockey, it's very important to get the job done right. Yeah. So you got to get the job done right. Obviously winning, you know, as we've said, winning cures everything in this league. It really does. It doesn't matter what you do. If you win, you can be given a lifetime of whatever. Uh, it, it, no, it's true because if you win, you can hang on to your job for a long, long exactly. time. Exactly, and Lou was able to hang on to his job a couple extra years because he pulled the trade on Schneider, and he did this and he did that. Um, so they have to get this right, and they have to get the next coach right. And on top of things like that, let's let's pretend Tommy Fitzgerald is the full time GM. Okay. Let's think about half of those guys that we named in that coaching episode. Do you think Roblevsky's in there? Yes or no? Probably not. Because that's more of a Shiro guy. Yeah. What about Tony Granado? I could see Fitzgerald going with like a Granado type guy just because. Wisconsin University, NCAA D1 hockey guy, American. Right. Knows the ins and outs of players like like Luke Coonan, obviously, who's in the NHL. And you have some interesting players from the NCAA in this draft. A few here and there. Dulls have had a really good history with guys like Riley Walsh. He's doing well, actually, right now in uh, Harvard. I think he's going to be – I think if Fitzgerald is the guy going forward, you have to give Riley Walsh that contract early. Like, I know I told you about the player that I follow who's not an NHL draftee yet, but he's – you know, very well liked by the Oilers. Yes. Similar situation, but in a draft year for a kid that's going to be 18. So, but, uh, and what else coach wise would, uh, would, so there'd be, would our guy, if like? we were thinking, if we're staying on a coach, so if we're staying on a college, you would think maybe Scott Sandlin. I like Sandlin. I think he makes a lot of sense. See, I mean, I know people can bark up our tree about Team USA losing in the semi. That wasn't. That's not on Sandlin. That's on Cordelin or quarters. But it was on Sandlin. It it was on the players. Yeah. I like what I saw from what when Team USA was winning during that time frame. They could have easily lost to Russia very badly like Canada, but they had some size. They had some skill. Actually, 
I take that back. A lot of skill and a lot of talent. They just after they went forward, they poo pooed against the Finns. Yeah, I mean they've only lost one nothing. It was a power play goal, so it was a it was a close game. But they're big guys. If, if people have read my World Junior coverage, the top guys did not show up. <laughs> but to digress. Okay, so here we go. I'm getting a little bit more. All right, so I'm getting a uh, I'm getting a couple of uh, a couple of notes that just came through through um, a couple of texts that I just got from the yeah. source. So he believes that there's something <laughs> that happened between Ray Shiro and management and the ownership that led to his firing. They disagreed on something. Was it the Corey Schneider thing and uh, and disagreeing with Nazardine? Not saying what it is. He won't. The uh, source won't say what it is. Um, but it was, it was something that was played a minor yet major part of the breaking. Yeah, of the it's final more show. of a. Um, It's more of it was there a disagreement over the trade, over a coaching change, over a candidate philosophy. Uh, you know that's you know more of down of what <laughs> he's thinking because they just abruptly. I mean, I said at five forty-five on a Sunday, you just fire general manager with. Must have been there bad. Had to have been a disagreement somewhere, or did Shiro want to blow this thing up at the trade deadline, and the owner said no? I think it was between ownership and Tommy Fitzgerald when they were probably discussing things. But I believe when the final decision came, you know, it was all ownership's move, and then they talked with Ray about Ray parting ways. And I guess, you know, all the other big guys just weren't in the room to uh, notice the final decision. I honestly, I respect the owner's decision. Yeah, they should have done this a lot sooner and probably would have salvaged a lot more in the season. Maybe you would have handled other assets better. Um, I honestly approve of ownership in this situation. I well, like what Tommy Fitzgerald's gonna do. Well, I like the I like it too because also Ray went out um with a bang too because he did he did what he needed to do. He didn't he didn't go out, he went he tried to be bold this offseason to improve this team and it just didn't happen. I mean he, he was very loyal to John Hines, but you know, Hines cause things that shouldn't have happened and I noticed on opening night those critiques you know rather easily and I was trying to talk to one of my buddies about what was going on you know how we sell Vitamixes well he's putting just about everything you could think about right right into the Vitamix and really pureed things and just things just got pureed and it just didn't come out right no it didn't um they just, they, it just things, 
they just didn't they just didn't have their chemistry. Things weren't going well. You know, it just this wasn't there. I mean, I go back to it again. I keep saying it. The first game set the tone for everything. You're up for nothing. And yet you blow a four nothing lead. Blew a four nothing lead. Going from the second to the third. Yeah. I mean I still don't understand how you lost that game. And to tell me and you're telling me Schneider had cramps, so he be, he lets a goal in and his confidence just goes to shit. Uh, I mean, I just I I lost all my thought on that moment in that game and I just wish, you know, if if it was a cramp, you should have drank pickle juice. You have you have Blake Coleman. You have pickle juice. Come on, Speaking man. Speaking of Blake Coleman, people are loving my comparison to him, to John Madden. He, he is this, he is this generation's version, John he Madden. He is this decade's version of John Madden. This team's version of John. He really is. People will buy his P20 products. They will. I've seen people buy his jerseys. He's you know a fan what? favorite. You love him. He's he's a fan favorite. If you are a meat and potatoes player, you don't have to be nothing against our boy Scott Stevens or Marty Brador or Dano, but if you are a meat and potatoes guy who gets things done, like Madden and Pandolfo, you will be loved by Devils fans for a long period of time. Definitely. And he and he's won me over, especially last night. He's really cemented it. Yeah, I, I'm liking what he's doing. Um, you have to keep him. You can't just trade a guy like that. You have to keep him going forward. I, I, you have to. I, if, I, you need a guy like that. You really, really do. Um, if if I if I'm I I was gonna say Shira, but uh, t- talking on this emergency podcast, uh, if I am honestly. Tommy Fitzgerald or Martin Bardor, you have to keep Coleman. You have to keep Gusev. You have to sign Semivad in long term now that Ray Shiro's not here. Nothing against Shiro, but um, I heard Vegas was interested. They were adamant. They wanted defensemen. They know they need a defenseman. They they aren't playing well. Um, You can see that. They do need to stir up the defense. They, that's an area that they're looking to address. You know, Sammy Vatanen's a player that they like. They want to get him. Do the Devils want to give him up? And what do they want in return? Uh, not at this point. And, and if you're telling me we have to give up a, a piece of the defense, well, I want something back in return. I at least want two really good defensemen back. And if that's not happening, no, right. thank you. I know I like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nick Hag, but I don't think he's that good enough. If you're telling be... me, if you're telling me you want Sammy Vatanen, I want Nate Schmidt. You have to give me Nate Schmidt, and you have to give me Nick ha- Nicholas Hag in that deal. You have to give me a a first or the Devils second in there, and you know it'll it'll cost Vegas if they want Vatanen, but I doubt at this point that they're gonna get Sammy Vatanen. No, I don't think so either. Especially Shiro's out of the room. 
Exactly. I think they're going to keep him around. I really do. I think they're really, really going to keep him around. So you want me to finish the second paragraph? Absolutely. Let's go. So back to what Corey Massack wrote about Tommy Fitzgerald saying, beginning quote, I've been around other great people who challenged me, but this is what it is right now. I'm excited about the challenge. So think about that. I'm excited about the challenge. This is his moment to shine. And he goes saying, I'm sad for my friend and my mentor being Ray Shiro. Starting quote again, I've had an abundance of roles. I just feel like that utility baseball player who has played every position. I think that has served me well and will continue to serve me well. End quote. That's, I mean, I mean, you said a mouthful right there. I mean, that's, I mean, it, it, it's true. I mean, look, he, he's up for the challenge. He's ready to make the next step. He wants to be a general manager. That's plain and simple to me. How he, to me, he has he really, to. he's really taken on a lot of responsibility in the past few months. And I honestly don't know how much sleep he gets, but he should start sleeping eight hours at well, least. I mean, look, he, think about this one. So, you know, he helped coach uh, for a little bit. With John yeah. Hines. They had a winning record. Um, you know, then he then he goes back to his duties. Um, now he's the man. He's the general manager. And so right now, at this point, the Devils currently lead currently 12 minutes ago, end of two. Devils lead Tampa 2-1, to one, thanks to Andy Green, thanks to Miles Wood and Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes back from, you know, injury. You have Travis Zajac, who scored that second goal. Gusev is on a tear. Severson's starting to prove himself better. And they're out shooting Tampa Bay by five shots. Yeah. They're playing well. I'm not, again, they're playing well. And you know what? You talk about, you know, the change in philosophy. You know, Fitzy, I'm sure he's a little bit younger than Ray. But I think he's a little bit more up-to-date than Ray has been because Ray's obviously keeps a, a lot of contact at the NHL level. But I believe with, you know – the help of Dan McKinnon, you have guys like, you know, Gates Orlando and Paul Castron at your dispense. You can access a lot of interesting stuff at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, it was, you know, you know, it's really interesting, all these quotes. Um, it really is. And uh, it's it's crazy to think that, you know, just, you know, Ratio was the general manager yesterday and now Fitzgerald's the manager general manager today and it's just it's just so much things to uh, to process, really. It really is. And you know what? Like we have so many things going on from this timeline. So basically over the summer you get Nikita Gusev. You you traded for him. 
and you sign him to two years. I like what he said in yesterday's uh, video in the in the locker room in D.C. He said basically he wants let's win the next one. Right, exactly. And and his command of English in that one sentence it shows how much he cares about being a devil. And I know things have come a long way since uh, the the post Heinz and Hall era ended. But now that the players aren't really thinking about the whole GM change. I mean, it's their agents, but I honestly don't see a whole lot of them wanting to leave. If Wayne Simmons does want to stay, he's more than welcome to stay. I just think he's going to have to stay on the cheap, you know, in, in the off season. Yeah, he's going to definitely need to be. He's definitely going to have to be cheap. These guys have to, you know, these guys, they have to understand that there's a structure that goes on and, and they're going to have to play the cap system and all this stuff and got to build the team the right way. And, you know, like, like Gusev was a great addition again, but that, again, that goes to coaching and not playing him in the right situations, benching him and then, you know, playing him on fourth line and all this stuff. It's like, and now he's finding a role with Zajac and Coleman and, and, and you know what? That Zajac Coleman line really is benefiting him. He's learning from Zajac how to be a better two-way player with his use of his stick being a special instrument, not a blunt instrument, as Eddie Shore would say to Don Cherry um, back on uh, The Wrath of Grapes in the Don Cherry story. So it's not a blunt instrument. So it's an instrument that's helping him win pucks over and begin to score more. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're just playing well. The devils are playing well now and they've improved. Like you and I have said over the last couple of weeks, they're playing a lot better under Nazardine. And you wonder if you wonder if, um, he would stay yeah. or I still feel he's won the locker room. I mean, if you minus out that that terrible defensive breakdown versus the Rangers just because D'Angelo scored five of those six and they still score three goals on Shesterkin, um I still prefer having Nazardine at this point unless they one NHL-ready guy, maybe John Cooper. I don't know if John Cooper would be a fit for Fitzgerald or Brodor, depending on who is uh, the GM going forward. But they they got to be smart about, you know, having this one coach rule. So they got to be smart and wise. It's like that silver bullet when it comes to killing the vampire. So yeah. They they just got to use that silver bullet very, very carefully. Oh, absolutely. They really do. I mean, look, the Devils, you know, it, it's good to see this team playing well. Um, it's just interesting. It's just the timing of everything is just really, really interesting. Really interesting. Um, it just, again, uh, uh, once more comes out, I think it'll be make it'll make more sense, but right now it's just so it's so fresh, it's so new 
it's it's hot off the press. Right, it really is hot off the press. Um, so it's you know, it, and a lot to pro- really a lot to process. Um, it really is. It's it's crazy to think that he was a general manager, and then. And I, I honestly think, you know, the next GM will make the next set of moves. Like, you and I can play around on the cap-friendly stuff, pretending we're one of the two guys. But if I was, you know, if I was Fitzgerald or Brodeur, I would keep the – or improve the NHL-level scouting a little bit more. Because, you know, you started to pluck a few pl- players here and there, but you got to be a little bit more aggressive in free agency, but you don't want to depend too much on free agency, but still make your trades. But um, you got to do what's necessary, but don't be too passive. Like Shira was uh, the past few years, minus this past off season, which he did a pretty good job. It's just, you know, giving Wayne Simmons $5 million really – I wouldn't have given that much. I would have given at least two and a half million. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, the problem is, like you said, the $5 million isn't too bad because if he doesn't perform, you always get, he just doesn't come back. But if he does decide to stay, maybe he takes a pay cut, but I don't see Wayne Simmons going for another million dollars. No, I don't think so either. Um, His he hasn't lived up to that that sort of productivity, and if it's about productivity and efficiency, I honestly would offer him a little bit less compared to other uh, right wing free agents that are top nine third line pairing guys. Yeah, me too. I would definitely, uh, I would definitely do this. But you, but you still need him on the on the power play, though. I mean, he he's done pretty good being a good mentor for Miles Wood and Blake Coleman, and he's stuck up for Jack Hughes. He's stuck up for other players that got messed around with, and he did his part versus the Flyers, and he's helped this team. You know, this young younger team now move forward but when Ray Shiro inherited this team in 2015 they were old and slow they were at least like 30 years old 33 years old 35 and that was the problem with Lou he was trying to just patchwork piece and patchwork together because he thought he still had a team that could compete not realizing hey I need a rebuild and all this stuff and you know he was like looking to add this guy and that guy and you know, Martin Havlat, Michael Ryder. Yeah, um, just, he was building. See, the thing is, people need to realize that Lou Lamorello pre-lockout and Lou Lamorello post-04 lockout is not the same. Lamorello knew how to work without a salary cap because he instilled his own salary cap on the team. And it always seemed like he, his standards changed over time, but he was also very secretive. Right, he was always secretive, but his thing, but his thing was, you know, don't, don't, um, don't go over X amount because, like, Elias and Marty, pre lockout, 
like they they, they were valued. They wouldn't. They would only get a certain amount. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> and but no one would go over. Would never go higher above those guys. He would bring in guys here and there, but he tried to instill that same system when the when the actual salary cap came into play. And he was still trying to get those guys and try to build a team like he tried to build pre-04 lockout. He just never understood how to handle a salary cap that well. It just seems certain GMs don't always adapt to certain, you know, eras. And it feels like, you know, now that we're in 2020, you know, it seems like either Tommy Fitzgerald or Martin Bordor, I know I sound like a broken record when I mention the two because you never know who's going to take the job, but it seems like those two will adapt very well, theoretically going forward in the cap world and with the current CBA before 2022, if I recall, is the next one because then you have the Seattle expansion draft in 2021, if I'm correct. Yeah, 2021. But you also got to be prepared in the 2020-2021 season going forward this season you have to prepare for 2021 so that's actually coming right up yeah it really is coming right up and seattle's gonna be in it so there are gonna be certain there's gonna be at least what nine players that you're gonna have to try and protect is it or eight yeah because In an expansion draft, you have to, you're going to lose just at least one guy, but you have to protect the right amount of players. Yeah, you have to, you only can protect so many guys. So I believe you want to do an expansion one later next week or tomorrow. Um, what, another podcast? We're doing another one tomorrow. I'm down with that. Yeah, we'll do it tomorrow. Uh, did you speak with Tyler Kelly? Uh, I have not gotten – I didn't hear back from him. Let me shoot him a message just to see if he's around tomorrow. Or did you want me to uh, hit up anybody else? You could hit up anybody else tomorrow. I just remember, you know, we can do anything, you know, in the afternoon or something like that or before everyone starts getting ready to eat. Yeah. At nighttime, so you want to get get before people's dinners. So, right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just want to get you know more people's uh, thoughts, and of course, there's going to be some interesting opinions. Sure, for this podcast, you know about what's going on this year. Some people agree. Some people strongly disagree. Um. We respect everyone's uh, input, and the output is um, – it's not always who's right or wrong. It is did you do the right thing, and is it executed on the business side? Yeah, exactly. And that's what Josh Harris and David Blitzer basically um, took their time today to make the right move, and eventually it will help. Yeah, I think I think it'll definitely help. I mean, you know, going forward, it's uh, the Devils have they have they had to do something. I was just surprised at the timing of it all. I mean, I'm just I'm just shocked that they made the move now, and it didn't come earlier. 
I guess. I mean, I still feel a little numb with all this, like, how can I compute with all this information in a short amount of time? Because there's so much extraction uh, going on behind the scenes. And until tomorrow when everyone else, like, whether it's our girl Abby or Amanda or our guy Tyler Kelly who has his own source um, or our source um, behind the scenes has more details that will probably be public to us but still remain private. So there are only certain things that we can find out in such a short span of what's going on this season. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to reach out. You want me to hit up Tyler, do you want to do it? or You you can hit up Tyler any time you want, just uh, because we, we are here to serve the listeners going forward. And matter of fact, one of our best podcasts was with Tyler Kelly on there. And I actually want his intake both about this situation and the next head coach that he would recommend. But also, we'll hit up on the draft stuff. Yeah. Um, I just sent him a text, so we'll see. Um, and I believe I have his number. I I can actually send him one of those messages if he wants to join. So I'm going to send Tyler a little. Yeah, I just reached out to uh, – I reached out to Abby um... – to see what she's doing, um, if she's around. Oh, uh, Tyler just got back to me. He said, "What time are you guys thinking tomorrow?" You know what? Um, is is he open in the noon before a little bit before night? Uh, because want to do it before maybe four p.m. Central time, which would be right. five p.m. our time. Any time before five or two p.m. Eastern time, two and five, maybe, depending on your on your thing tomorrow. All right, I just got the gym at night, so we just got we just have um dry land training tomorrow, but that's not till like six. So maybe a little after, maybe like seven ish. So you want to think like seven? So our so seven our time. Yeah, I think it would be better for him because. He obviously, you know, he's down in Texas now. He he just moved, so he's got to ease in. But back yeah. to our devil stuff, like, um, Abby reached out to me yesterday talking about – we were just talking about Jill Sen wanted to be up. Like, I believe in the potential of Jill Sen as the backup, but – she said to me yesterday, Deming would be the guy going forward to develop send in the minors because Fitzy thought it was the best choice. I mean, look, um, you know, I mean, look, they had Cormier up yesterday because they needed a body. Um, Schneider's there today because they need a body. We'll see what happens tomorrow and Tuesday because the Devils play in Toronto on Tuesday night. So we'll find out if Mackenzie Blackwood's going to be back between the pipes. I just want to know about 
Mackenzie Blackwood's situation where I was at the game when the mask recoil really shocked his two or four front teeth and the trainer came out on the ice, um, you know, with gloves on, of course, and a towel and removed those loose teeth. And I know people listening to this podcast going, loosening teeth? I used to slam that against the door for the tooth fairy. All right. But... Yeah. So Tyler said that should be good for him tomorrow night, 7 p.m. our time. So, yeah, um, we'll do something like that. And, you know, basically uh, Tyler will also give us his hockey analytics going forward with, you know, possible – um, players that could be up or possible trade pieces that could be going forward for target players. Um, definitely going to be talking about what he thinks would be best under Tommy Fitzgerald and Marty Bredore. Those are all the que- those are some of the questions I have for him tomorrow. You're more than yeah. welcome to ask him anything. Uh, I mean, I just hope the audio works tomorrow because I would love for you to jump in because it was a great interview, except I would love for you to have joined in on it last time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I only got one question in that one time, which is kind of why, well, to our listeners right now, we're on anchor.fm. Um, we well, are wondering if you want to do live call-ins. So for our listeners, well, the only reason the only reason I said live calling is because the other day when I was listening to Sirius XM, they they do and and if no one listens to under review at at eleven to one with Nick Kern, um, they need to because he always comes up with these cool like little discussion points and he has listeners call in, and one of the topics was on Friday was what was your most memorable goal. That wasn't that didn't win a game, in the, the win the Stanley Cup, <laughs> or wasn't a golden goal or something like that, and that got me thinking. And and he basically said it had to be like regular season, though, though it, what? But some of the people that called in were like some it was playoffs, but he would like to like he was trying to find like those rare regular season goals or a goal that changed your season, like so. You know, and then I thought to myself, well, why can't we do something like that here where we have people calling and we have a, like a discussion topic, like similar, like for me, for one of the things I was thinking of was like, okay, um, you know, instead of league wide, what was your favorite devil's goal, most memorable devil's goal outside winning a championship or in the playoffs? One of my favorites, um, was being at the the Florida. Lucev. He scored. Yeah. Da 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 da. Hora show. Spasiba. The the goose has risen. The goose is loose, baby. The goose is loose. <laughs> He's streaking. He's streaking in points. I did a I did an old school reference. Um. Back to my, uh, I know this one's a playoff memory. This one of my favorite playoff memories besides Henrik, it's over. I was at, um, this one is pretty underrated. So the Devils play 
against their former goaltender. And I remember it was uh, who 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 was the guy that played. Who was the Devils' backup, and he played for the Panthers? It was. It's not Weeks, but uh, S- Scott Clemenson. It was Scott Clemenson, and I remember the Devils shellacked him so bad. I was in two thirty three, and I started a uh, Scotty, Scotty, and then uh, for those of you who uh, don't know uh, Euro Trip, there's a song called Scotty Doesn't Know. And the section next to mine in 232 all the way down started, Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Because Devils were scoring goals on left and right because of Parise and Kovalchuk and Clarkson. That That's a good goal. I like that. So, like, you know, so the first one that comes to mind to me um, – you know, I have two. Really, should only allowed to have one. I, I would, I, I don't know if I would be Mick Kern and be you limited to one, but we might have to. But the one, one of them that comes to mind is obviously the John McLean goal on Darren Pang in April of '88 that sent the Devils to the playoffs for the first time in their history and basically got the ball rolling to get this team in the playoffs. That was the beginning of many good things to happen. Right. For the franchise, and I admit one of my other, my favorite, one of my favorite um, regular season games. Oh, boo, boo! They waved it off. Goalie interference on the Devils. Yeah, I was close. It's definitely close. Let me look at the replay. Let's see. I think Coleman got. Or yeah, Coleman got. Yeah, Coleman made contact before the. Yeah. Definitely slightly touched him. Yeah, he slightly touched him. It's a good call. Good, good, good overrule. I'm okay with that. Well, there should have been some that could have gone our way versus Colorado and that goalie interference. Should there should be more context on that in the off season? Yeah, with the uh, with the players union. Well, I and think the, I think that I think, there's a, I think there's I think that's becoming the NFL's catch rule. It really is. Um, but anyway, so what was your other goal that you thinking? So, do you remember when Ilya Kovalchuk was injured? He was sitting in the box. So, I had tickets to that game exactly um, when Henrique was making his debut versus the the Winnipeg Jets in their first year as Winnipeg two point oh. Okay. I actually had an odd, I had a poster um at that time from Models and I saw Kovalchuk was like right there and I spoke to him in Russian and I gave him uh the poster and the Sharpie and he signed my uh my poster from that um uh, that suite and he passed it from the the player suite and that same day, Adam Henrique scored his first, his first of a few goals in the regulation to help tie it. And then I remember Patrick Elias in overtime, uh, basically led a lead up pass to Henrique and scored it in overtime against Winnipeg. And then he's got this like 
look at me, g- give me a hug type of like celebration. And everyone's just like jumping on him in, over- in overtime. Yeah. Um, and then the other, the other um, one would be, for me, would be uh, the Parise goal in Montreal. Oh, the, uh, the, the broken stick? Yeah. So that was the other one that comes to mind that's, like, memorable. With Chico? Yeah. So, you know, how he breaks the stick, then he goes to the bench, gets it, and then you just see him, like, banging his stick on the ice to, for the puck. I believe Elias passed him the puck, if I'm not mistaken. We could obviously check YouTube for that one. Actually, you know what? I'll do that right now. What does the jury say now? All right, let's see. Zach Parise, goal versus Montreal, right? Do we have a verdict? Let's see. Okay, breakaway goal. That was 2010. All right. It could have been Brian Gianta or Eliash. Breaks his stick. No. It was... I think it was Travis Zajac. Zajac? Wait, let me get a look at the back of the jersey. I got to see it one more time. Let me see. If it's 19, it's Zajac. Yeah. Yeah, it was Zajac. Yeah, oh, my it was God. Travis Zajac. How, how young he was. <laughs> the sound of youth. Man. Man, I feel old. All right. This is <laughs> such a great goal. Oh, and Scott Gomez gave the puck up. Because Gianta ah. was on the other team. Oh, so, so this is when Gomez and Brian Gianta were with the Habs? Yeah, this was 2010. Ah. That makes sense because I remember in 2011-2012 season, I was, uh, I was, it was post-Christmas. It was a few days after Christmas, and I was sitting with a couple people who were from Quebec. They they were not Habs fans, but they were Nordique fans, and we had made I had made a few jokes about. Oh, how the lines, the ticket line at the time could have been a lot longer for the $11 tickets would have been a lot longer in Montreal if it wasn't in New Jersey. Don't you miss that, though? Don't you really miss that, the $11 tickets? Yes. Actually, I used to live in South Orange, New Jersey at the time. And I know this is before Ray Shiro. But having watched Martin Bordeaux for – 11 bucks, including the fee in there, which was a dollar. Yeah. It was well worth it. And I would, and I began sitting with guys like Ray Terrell in 233 with the crazies. I don't know if any of you remember the, the 233 crazies, but they were at the old Meadowlands when they were the 228 crazies. So, yeah, that was, that was a great goal against the Habs. That was a memorable goal. I mean, they didn't, I mean, I know they didn't like do well in the playoffs that year because they lost to, Philadelphia, I believe, in their first round. That was the year Philly got in on the last day against the Rangers. But um... I also recall um, Devils versus Sabres. I was out on the ticket line in that day as well. And I just remember that there was like five, ten fights going on at once that day. And I remember Peter Sikora 
uh, scored two goals. He almost had a hat trick. So that's crazy. I mean, look, so it's, you know, it's crazy. So for those, those just joining us or going to listen to this, just a real, 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 real quick recap. Ray Shiro is out as general manager of New Jersey Devils. In is Tommy Fitzgerald as interim, and Marty Brodeur joins as hockey ops. And that's, you know. And that's how it stands for now. Yeah, that's pretty much how it stands. Um, there'll be a nightcap. Uh, I am. So for those that want to follow me um, on Instagram, it's at Jim Berenger on Snapchat. It's, I don't even know what my Snapchat is anymore. I, I hardly use my Snapchat. It's no my, one really my, uh, uses my uh, Snapchat is NHLCRW33, which is my uh, which is my uh, my Yahoo thing. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to be doing some nightly recaps on Instagram and Twitter. I got this inspiration from Chris Fowler because he does it for um, college football. So yesterday, real quick, this is why I'm doing it is because last night after the Ravens Titans game football. After I was watching the day, I had both games on. But after that game, I put on Facebook that it's a bad idea to rest teams. I didn't. I don't think the Ravens should have. They should have treated Week 17 as a as a preseason game, and you know that's why they lost to Tennessee. Tennessee was a good team, but they were rusty. You could tell having two weeks off was a bad thing. So you know, my you know some people you know ask you know why you know they thought you know you know what if a person needs rest this and that. So I did just a quick recap on Snapchat, and I'm thinking about doing Instagram, um, because just it's just because it's a night. More game. people are on Instagram more than they are on Snapchat. Exactly. So it's just going to be quick, like 30, 45 second videos, just to recap the night of sports, hockey, football. It doesn't matter right now. We're in NFL playoffs. We got college football tomorrow night. So, so for a lot of people listening in, I I'm at uh, Joe of Jersey on Instagram. So J O E, you can remember O F J E R S E Y on Instagram. I post the podcast stuff on Instagram and the stories. Sometimes I do it uh, through the images part where I'll show like uh, what Jim and I have done. Also, we like to interact with our listeners, especially with how crazy of a season oh. it, it's been. What happened? Oh, Boquist. He made such a great move on, on McElhaney, and he just – the puck just rolled off his stick. Oh. He had him beat. He went forehand. No, he went backhand to forehand, and the puck just rolled. He should have pretended that he was playing against Winnipeg. Yeah, then he would have scored. Yeah, yeah so- I mean, he, he started in nice and steady, and he just flicked it on the wrist got it in. So – um. That's my boy, though. That's my boy. Um, so I'm at Jim Berenger, J-I-M-B-I-R-I-N-G-E-R on Instagram. Uh, I also post the the podcast to my story. Um, I try to get the audio in there if I can, and I'm probably going to start adding uh, some audio stuff onto my Instagram from the podcast as well to get, like, an image and stuff just to have, which would be cool. Um Twitter, Twitter. He's, he's at J I M B I R I N G E R. 
I'm at J E R S E Y D E V I L O G. And the podcast uh, Twitter handle is at at symbol J E R S E Y underscore podcast. It's that simple. It is that even, simple. Even the cavemen from Geico can do it. Yeah, it's really that simple. You know, actually, if anyone from Geico is listening, you can proudly support uh, the Jersey Joe Corner podcast and Big Has Media. And if you want to be a, a good fan of the show, you can buy our uh, nice uh, sweatshirts. And our uh, t-shirts at BigHeadsMedia.com. It's that awesome. I'm actually awaiting my sweatshirt. Yeah, so uh, I'll probably get one myself. So, I mean, look, busy day. Um, Tomorrow, you know, we got more. We're going to be breaking down even more of Ratio being fired. They did not part ways. Uh, I don't like that. He was fired. I... I think that parting way stuff, you know, I know people are, I know I'm politically correct most of the time, but when it comes to the business stuff, that's just, you know, the soft side of the public relations. It's, it's a lot rougher than people think. But, um, but so we got Tyler Kelly. It's going to be, well, I'm not going to, it's going to be a round table discussion somewhat. Um, we don't really have a round table, so we'll call it an air table discussion. It'll, it'll, it'll be a, a three way. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a three way podcast tomorrow night, uh, 7 PM Eastern standard time. Um, anyone have any questions for Tyler Kelly, please send them in to our handles. Um, we want to hear from you, the listeners. Um, I know we're going to end up closing up the podcast soon. We also want, you know, anyone who wants us on their podcast too to get our word out for the Jersey Joe Corner podcast and other hockey stuff that you want us to talk about. We're more than happy to uh, go on your show or talk with you about what, you know, we see going forward. And if you want to network with us, that would be amazing and helpful. Oh, we did get a shout. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie right now. We got a plug on the Raw Mike, Raw Mike Richards show on Friday because they were talking hockey. So I tweeted them a little bit just to talk about the Islanders and some other things. And uh, he's like, he, he goes, he's like, hey, he's like, yo, you got to listen to Jersey Jim on Jersey Joe Corner podcast. It's Jersey underscore podcast. And here, Dave, that's your plug, guys. Like, both <laughs> of those guys, they know what they're talking about. They they love it, you know, up in Canada. I so. I, I want to ask, can you, can you tweet them what kind of chocolate would Jersey Joe consist of? I mean, they said you were like well, caramel. Well, and like... the problem was it also the box. Of, the, the thing was it was also Christmas time. They had the box of gold chocolate, I guess, that they have up there. So that's why that came up. Um, <laughs> but, you know. The- they shouldn't do that for everyone. The you know, only certain, only cool guests get to do that. Um, <laughs> um, we're, I'm, I honestly, uh, I've honestly reached out to Mike Richards himself and on Twitter, and he's a pretty awesome dude. 
Um, He's a cool dude. And I honestly think, you know, they, they've given us a voice in, uh, in Ontario, especially Mississauga. And, you know, you know those guys, let me tell you something about those guys. I've known those guys. I've talked with these guys going back to their TSN days, followed them when they had the podcast. Um, now that they're back, you know, it's just great to hear them. You know, they had their, their great songs, Jesse Palmer, Pierre Maguire, Darren Drager. They had them all. Pierre Maguire. Know. Yeah, you know, when Pierre Maguire was, you you know what, my, you you know, I told you about my step nephew, Joey. Well, his father's coach at Babson University was the Pierre Maguire. I know the Pierre Maguire got, um, he, he, he got big time joked on by the spit and chicklets guys, um, with the corn dog. Uh, so speaking of ride with you. So speaking of raw Mike Richard, um, I am going to be. Looks like I'm going to be on tomorrow morning. <laughs> How early? Um, seven a.m. Saga nine sixty. Listen, get your asses up and listen. Do Do you have a live TV link for that? Uh, you got. You guys have to go on Twitch. Set up a Twitch account. Twitch. Twitch, go on Twitch, set up a Twitch account. Uh, Mike Richards is live um, on Twitch, so you hear me. <laughs> I also have them on uh, Apple Podcasts, so I actually get them on there too. So that's how I overheard your uh, conversation there. So if they have any devil stuff, um, you, you can tell them what I said on the podcast because, you know, we've gone through a lot and – We've extracted a lot through this uh, post Heinz, post Shiro era now. So times have really changed. Just just like the flick of 2020 after the ball dropped. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's crazy, you know. Um, it definitely times are changing, and it's it's crazy. But it's definitely it's definitely it's definitely one of those things that it's. It's one of those, you know, it's crazy. Um, I heard back from Abby. She's got a lot going on tomorrow. Um, don't worry, Abby. We yeah, we love you. We'll another time. Um, we we, we love you. We understand that you're busy. So I know she was busy with a lot of things, but I, I you know, but she said she'd definitely try to get on. Um, <clears throat> but it's, that, it's most for certain, certainly verified that we have the Tyler Kelly from Pucks yeah. and Pitchforks tomorrow, 7 Eastern Standard Time. Um, for our listeners, you know, it's been a whirlwind, like Tommy Fitzgerald said. And I know ownership, you know, had to cut ties eventually, kind of like cutting losses, you know, in the, in the, in the market sometimes when things with a certain investment doesn't go right away. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, look, they had to, they had to do it. They had to make the th- the change. It's the right. <laughs> so, and it and it feels like tomorrow, you know, we will end up extracting more information from multiple sources, you know, other than our own. Yes. Uh, we will see what. We'll see where it leads. You know, 
I might I might not do a uh, article tonight because I feel it's a little too premature uh, to really make a judgment. Well, I like I this. said, I haven't. I I only put the, my news article out, um, which I need to send you. By the way, um, it, right? It's just the newsing. It's just the news about Fitzgerald and Shiro. But uh, other than that, um, you know, I I'm gonna dissect. My next goal was to write a goal a piece on Nico Heischer about it's that about how it's his team now. Um. I believe that I believe it's his team, regardless of other captains and stuff like that. No, I know, but I mean, I mean, I think he'll be the next captain, no doubt. But I'm just not sure. Um, with the but I'm just saying, but I'm the, just saying, like this is his team, the way he's dominating. I'm just looking at his play since the Taylor Hall trade, and obviously, I want to grade, like, look at the next candidates for you know, obviously, for Shiro and grade, and but I'm gonna hold that on for later. Come on, get the puck out of the zone. <laughs> you got, you got to clear it out, guys. Keep it cleared out because Tampa Bay can do a lot of damage, especially empty net. Yanni Gord, yes, and Braden Point have their numbers against us. Yes, Devils win three one, baby. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yo, we got that Miles Wood, Miles fucking Wood. Sorry, I'm not Miles... swear on the podcast. Did he score another empty netter? Uh, Miles would just scored uh, another goal. He scored an empty netter. Oh, that's two nights in a row, baby. I know. He, 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 he got he got the two easy ones. Well, made not exactly the easiest, but a lot easier with no goalie and net. But if anyone wants Miles Wood at this point, and if oh, Miles hey. Wood does get traded, oh wow, MSG just showed a uh, a picture of Marty and Shiro and um, Shiro and Fitzgerald shaking hands. Oh wow, MSG did yeah. that. That's got to be like a big bro hug. Looks like uh, things are going the right direction under their first game of uh, leadership. You you know what if. If Fitzy's gonna be the GM, and Marty's gonna be the hockey ops god, I'm okay I mean, with the, that. Uh, I'm, hockey I'm, ops okay, guy, I'm okay with that. You, Marty Berdour will always be Saint Berdour in my household. I will always call him Saint Marty and Saint Berdour. Every time I go to his statue, I bow to it, or I just say thank you for everything you did. Yeah, you know. I have a special place for that wonderful Montrealer in my heart, and if I ever get to meet him, I like to have a I like to have a coffee with him. Yeah, and if he ever gets on this podcast, hell yeah! Oh, so speaking of, real quick before we go, so one of my buddies went down to um, Lehigh Valley last night to saw Kincaid play for Laval. And what else is in no, there? No, I just said my buddy just went down to Le- uh, Lehigh Valley yesterday and saw Kincaid play for Laval. That's it. That's all I want to say. Well, so Kincaid is still with uh, Laval, which is part of the Montreal AHL affiliate. Yep. Laval's not very far from Montreal. It's practically right next door for those of you who aren't big fan of uh, ge- geographical stuff, you know, 
I, I would say people need to take a look, you know, just visiting the other AHL systems. Uh, to our listeners abroad, please write to us, you know, whether it's uh, on Twitter or um, Instagram or anything like that. If you, if you want us to go forward and uh, do live call-ins, uh, we are happy to accept any ideas from you. Uh, I was just looking at Podbean as another idea. So anyone else have any recommendations, you know, for Collins, for podcasts, we're, 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 we're taking a lot of, uh, you know, slow steps forward. Yeah, we are. And, you know, we're having a good time doing it. Our audience is growing, we're, we're, you know, crossing borders. We're going worldwide. So it's, it's, uh, and- And someone on LinkedIn actually messaged me about like marketing and stuff like that, but I'm not quite sure about that yet. But hey, if someone could help uh, build our audience even more and build a brand uh, for the podcast going forward, I'm absolutely for the growth and progression, especially a New Jersey Devils based podcast by two guys who are both fans and of course one's a contributor for pucks and pitchforks and puck authority and the others for last word on hockey, better known as last word on sport. Right. Last word on sports, last word on hockey, last word on pucks. Uh, going to be starting to write some articles for women's hockey tribune as well. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. Um, it's going to be fun. But the women's hockey, I absolutely would accept anyone from the, the Metropolitan uh, Riveters. Well, I want to see if I can reach out to um, some people I know. The Moose. To come on. And uh, maybe before I go down to the PWHP event in New Jersey at the end of February. Because, because I remember for a short amount of time, the Devils did a thing with uh, the Riveters. And they won the Isabel Cup, which is the equivalent of the Stanley Cup. And the league is steadily growing in the north half of the U.S. And just like men's and boys hockey and youth hockey in New Jersey, they're also growing the women's and girls game um, at the New Jersey level. And I believe in, in my heart, you know, what – as an uncle, you know, I would like to see other uncles and fathers and mothers, aunties to also have their uh, their nieces and daughters, etc., uh, play the game of hockey going forward. And it's, for uh, a Devils podcast like this, it means a whole lot building a community around a sport that builds a lot of unity, strength, and teamwork. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Devils got to they have to grow the game. And um, you know, and it just got to grow everywhere. The women's game, the youth game, everywhere. And for a lot of parents who are think about the financial side, there are actually NHL teams that help 
sponsor and grow the game. I actually told I will say I will I will say I gotta give a cheap plug to my friend over at the Asphalt Avengers, Chris Riley, because you know, people are talking about how the sport of hockey is expensive, but if, if kids don't if kids wanna play the game of hockey, well you can start with four ball and four ball sticks and it's not that expensive. Only need a stick and a ball and you can take the rink to the road anytime. So also like I remember when I was a kid in Western Mass in Nissan Meadow, um, I remember my parents bought me uh, street hockey sticks. They were just like hockey sticks, but with uh, a plastic blade and they, they behaved like hockey sticks, but they didn't flex like them on slap shots. But um, I remember I used a rollerblade and then, you know, I remember the Devils, if the Devils are listening to this podcast, you should bring back outdoor ball hockey and indoor ball hockey. You know, get get the young fans out there, you know, get more people playing outdoors, getting used to the rules and stuff like that, having fun, being creative. You never know if you're going to find the next gem in your backyard who will eventually lace up the skates. Look, before I close, before we close and wrap, because it's not 43, I grew up playing roller hockey. I switched to ice hockey. I, I still play both. I did play both. I played both at a very high level. There is nothing wrong with playing roller hockey because it helps your ice hockey game. It's roller hockey is fun. A lot of guys in the NHL play roller hockey. So... It's good no matter what type of hockey you play. It's good. And it helps you transition over time. And I will say, even if it's floor hockey where it's not a traditional uh, hockey stick but it has like a little tip where you stick it in, the puck looks like a huge donut, but it's still a puck. You shoot it, but you have to wrist it. But it, it's always fun no matter what style. I mean – in any country, you can have a you can set up a ball hockey game, for the most part, and you can you know, there was that one kid from Japan, who came over to uh, Canada, um, with that great hockey YouTuber, if I'm recalling his name, uh, Pavel Barber or something like that. Yeah, Pavel Barber. Yeah, and then my buddy John Shavo Shavo plays roller hockey and ice hockey too. So he, the both of those guys are really really good. And if I'm correct, that kid's, like, how old now? He's starting to play, like, peewee midget or something yeah. like that. So, yeah. Th- something like that. So, these kids from afar away are starting to begin playing the game. And for future NHL players, maybe possible Devils players, you just never know. I mean, yeah, the, the market of the game is growing and – Please, NHL, expand to the Olympics once again. You got China at your doorstep. Yeah, uh, we'll get into that more often because I, I got some thoughts on the Olympics. But as it approaches um, the 10 o'clock hour, um, I think it's a good time to wrap. And wrap it up. Call it a day. Part ways with the Ray Shiro era, as they say. Rest. Yeah, get get some rest in there and stuff. So, um, you know, it's it's been a whirlwind day. It's been a crazy day, and 
And the Devils and, uh, won tonight. A beautiful so, way to it, start you know, off the new era. It's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. Uh to see what and, happens. And uh, the trade market will heat up around trade deadline, but yeah, and the trade until, market, everything. So until further notice, we don't have a clear idea who uh, Tommy Fitzgerald will possibly trade because now you have a two-way mindset. But um, right before we wrap it up, thank you for listening in. Let's go, Devils. Let's go, Devils. Thanks for everybody listening in. And we'll thank see you, you very much. Let's go, Devils.